This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome from the respiratory section on medbullets.com. As a quick introduction, the pathophysiology of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, aka hyaline membrane disease, involves the immature fetal lungs having a deficiency in surfactant. And know that reduced surfactant results in low lung compliance and subsequent atelectasis, intrapulmonary shunting, and acute lung injury. Causes of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome include prematurity, which is the most important, as the type 2 pneumocytes are not yet developed, and know that this is the normal source of surfactant production. Another potential cause is cesarean section, as lack of vaginal compression stress on the infant during delivery results in reduced fetal cortisol production and therefore resultant reduction in surfactant production. Finally, maternal diabetes is another potential cause of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, as high insulin levels decrease surfactant production. Remember that increased fetal blood glucose results in increased fetal insulin production. Moving on to the presentation of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, symptoms include dyspnea and tachypnea during the first hours of life. Other symptoms include nasal flaring, expiratory grunting, intercostal as well as subxiphoid retractions. On physical exam, you will see severe hypoxemia in these patients that are not responsive to 100% oxygen. Atelectasis results in intrapulmonary shunting from right to left. This is perfusion without ventilation. This corresponds to perfusion without ventilation. As far as evaluation, an ABG in these patients will show hypoxemia as well as respiratory acidosis with an elevated PCO2 from poor ventilation. The histology in these patients will show hyaline membranes surrounding collapsed alveoli. Chest x-ray will show a quote-unquote ground glass appearance. An amniotic fluid will show a lecithin to sphingomyelin ratio of less than 1.5. As far as treatment of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, prevention includes corticosteroids given to the mother between 23 and 34 weeks of gestation who are at increased risk for preterm delivery within 7 days. This results in increased surfactant production. Treatment of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome includes nasal CPAP as well as surfactant replacement, which is done endotracheally, so know that intubation is needed. Finally, let's end this review session talking about some complications of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. And the ones to know include bronchopulmonary dysplasia, which is still very common, patent ductus arteriosus, or a PDA, and know that this is normally closed by increased oxygen tension at birth, and hypoxia keeps the shunt open. Other complications include 100% oxygen therapy damage, in which there is free radical damage of the eyes and lungs and may result in blindness and pulmonary dysplasia. In addition, know that damage also can occur when the neonate is taken off oxygen therapy, as there will be upregulation of VEGF due to relative hypoxia that results in neovascularization in the retina. This is otherwise known as retinopathy of prematurity. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A newborn begins to develop tachypnea within the first few hours of life. He was born via cesarean section at 34 weeks gestation and had no evidence of fetal distress prior to birth. When examined, he is found to have nasal flaring, expiratory grunting, and intracostal retractions. A pulse oximeter finds that his oxygen saturation is 86% and this value does not respond to 100% oxygen. Chest x-ray is obtained showing a ground glass appearance in the lungs bilaterally. Which of the following maternal conditions is most closely associated with this patient's presentation? And the choices are 1. Alcohol use disorder. 2. Diabetes mellitus. 
three, folic acid deficiency, four, hypothyroidism, and five, lithium use. The correct answer to this question is two, diabetes mellitus. So this preterm infant with neonatal hypoxemia, not responsive to oxygen, increased work of breathing, and a ground glass appearance on chest radiography most likely has neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, which is associated with maternal diabetes. To quickly review, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome is caused by a deficiency of surfactant production in immature fetal lungs. Since surfactant is normally important in promoting lung compliance, patients with this disease will have diffuse atelectasis and intrapulmonary shunting in the neonatal period. There are three main risk factors to be aware of in this disease, prematurity, delivery via cesarean section, and maternal diabetes mellitus. Prematurity is a risk factor because type 2 pneumocytes that produce surfactant have not yet fully developed. Cesarean section is a risk factor because the lack of vaginal compression stress results in decreased surfactant production. Finally, maternal diabetes is a risk factor because high insulin levels decrease the production of surfactant. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, alcohol use disorder, would result in fetal alcohol syndrome. However, this disease would present with intellectual disability and growth abnormalities rather than respiratory distress. Answer three, folic acid deficiency, would result in neural tube defects. However, this disease would present with paralysis of the lower extremities and defects in the spinal wall rather than respiratory distress. Answer four, hypothyroidism, would result in cretinism. However, this disease would present with intellectual disability and facial abnormalities rather than respiratory distress. And finally, answer five, lithium use would result in Epstein's cardiac anomaly. However, this disease would present with dysfunction of the tricuspid valve. Though this may lead to neonatal respiratory distress, it would not be refractory to oxygen or present with ground glass appearance. To leave you with a bullet summary, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome is associated with prematurity, cesarean section, and maternal diabetes. Moving on to the next question. A newborn girl born at 32 weeks gestation develops increased work of breathing shortly after delivery. On physical exam, there is nasal flaring, expiratory grunting, intercostal and subcostal retractions, and cyanosis. Her respirations are 62 per minute, and oxygen saturation is 64% on room air. A chest radiograph is obtained and shows ground glass opacities. An arterial blood gas, blood cultures, serum glucose, and complete blood count is obtained. She is immediately started on mass continuous positive airway pressure and low supplemental oxygen. Which of the following is a risk factor for this patient's clinical presentation? And the choices are 1. Administration of glucocorticoids. 2. Administration of thyroxine. 3. Cesarean delivery. 4. Diabetes controlled with insulin. And 5. Low blood pressure. The correct answer to this question is 3. Cesarean delivery. So the patient presents with signs and symptoms of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, or NRDS. Cesarean delivery is a risk factor for NRDS. To quickly review, NRDS is caused by surfactant deficiency, which leads to an increase in surface tension and alveolar collapse. Patients with neonatal respiratory distress syndrome require supplemental oxygen, which can result in retinopathy of prematurity. Risk factors for this condition include prematurity, gestational diabetes, maternal hypertension, and cesarean delivery due to decreased release of fetal glucocorticoids. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer one, administration of glucocorticoids would induce surfactant production and is a treatment given in cases of NRDS. Answer two, administration of thyroxine would improve type two pneumocyte production of surfactant and is another possible treatment in these patients. 
Answer four, diabetes controlled with insulin represents a situation where there is a risk factor present like diabetes, but it is well controlled with insulin. This represents a minimal risk factor as compared to a cesarean delivery. And finally, answer five, low blood pressure is not a risk factor for NRDS. However, hypertension is associated with NRDS. To leave you with a bullet summary, risk factors for neonatal respiratory distress syndrome include prematurity, gestational diabetes, maternal hypertension, and cesarean delivery. And moving on to the final question, a P2G1 diabetic woman is at risk of delivering at 29 weeks gestation. Her obstetrician counsels her that there is a risk the baby could have significant pulmonary distress after it's born. However, she states that she will give the mother corticosteroids, which will help prevent this from occurring. Additionally, the obstetrician states that she will perform a test on the amniotic fluid, which will indicate the likelihood of the infant being affected by this syndrome. Which of the following ratios would be most predictive of the infant having pulmonary distress? And the choices are 1. Lethicin to sphingomyelin of greater than 1.5. 2. Lethicin to phosphatidylserine of greater than 3. 3. Lethicin to sphingomyelin of greater than 3. 4. Lethicin to sphingomyelin of less than 1.5. And 5. Lecithin to phosphatidylserine of less than 1.5. The correct answer to this question is for lethicin to sphingomyelin of less than 1.5. So the LS or lethicin to sphingomyelin ratio is used to determine whether or not there is adequate surfactant production in the fetal lung. An LS ratio of less than 1.5 in the amniotic fluid indicates an insufficient production of surfactant and is predictive of neonatal respiratory distress. Premature infants and infants of diabetic mothers are at increased risk of developing neonatal respiratory distress syndrome caused by incomplete lung maturation and surfactant deficiency. Surfactant deficiency leads to increased alveolar surface tension and collapse, causing neonatal respiratory distress syndrome, which affects 50% of infant babies born at 26 to 28 weeks and about 25% at 30 to 31 weeks. Neonatal respiratory distress syndrome usually presents within minutes of life with tachypnea, cyanosis, grunting, and nasal flaring, all indicating respiratory compromise. Testing of the amniotic fluid can examine the lecithin to sphingomyelin ratio, which indicates the maturity of the fetal lung. A ratio of less than 1.5 is predictive of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. Hermanson and Laura review the causes, diagnosis, and treatment of respiratory distress in the newborn. They state that RDS can occur in premature infants as a result of surfactant deficiency and underdeveloped lung anatomy. The authors further describe that prenatal administration of corticosteroids between 24 and 34 weeks gestation reduces the risk of neonatal RDS when the risk of preterm delivery is high. Bersnard et al. performed a meta-analysis to determine and compare the diagnostic accuracy of the lethicin slash sphingomyelin ratio and lamellar body count in the prediction of neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. They find that lamellar body count to be a superior test and recommend replacing the lethicin slash sphingomyelin ratio as gold standard with the lamellar body count since the lamellar body count is easy to perform, rapid, inexpensive, and available to all hospitals 24 hours per day. That's all for this review about neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability 
tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.